It is May 20th, 2021, and we're on day 139 of Bible in a Year with Bill. Today we're continuing in the book of Samuel. We're reading chapters 16 to 18, and then we're going to finish off today's reading with Proverbs chapter 27, verses 1 to 14. So let's get right into it. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16. God addressed Samuel, So, how long are you going to mope over Saul? You know I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. I can't do that, said Samuel. Saul will hear about it and kill me. God said, take a heifer with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with this heifer as a sacrifice. Make sure Jesse gets invited. I'll let you know what to do next. I'll point out the one you are to anoint. Samuel did what God told him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively. Is there something wrong? Nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you in the worship of God. Prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, Looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, This man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, No, this man isn't either. Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Then he asked Jesse, Is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, there's the runt, but he's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in, the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him, with his brothers standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowered him for the rest of his life. Samuel left and went home to Ramah. At that very moment, the Spirit of God left Saul, and in its place a black mood sent by God settled on him. He was terrified. Saul's advisors said, This awful tormenting depression from God is making your life miserable. Oh, Master, let us help. Let us look for someone who can play the harp. When the black mood from God moves in, he'll play his music and you'll feel better. Saul told his servants, Go ahead, find me someone who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men spoke up, I know someone, I've seen him myself, the son of Jesse of Bethlehem, an excellent musician. He's also courageous, of age, well-spoken, and good-looking, and God is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse requesting, Send your son David to me, the one who tends the sheep. Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with a couple of loaves of bread, a flask of wine, and a young goat, and sent his son David with it to Saul. David came to Saul and stood before him. Saul liked him immediately and made him his right-hand man. Saul sent word back to Jesse, Thank you. David will stay here. He's just the one I was looking for. I'm very impressed by him. After that, whenever the bad depression from God tormented Saul, David got out his harp and played. That would calm Saul down, and he would feel better as the moodiness lifted. 
1 Samuel chapter 17 The Philistines drew up their troops for battle. They deployed them at Soko in Judah, and set up camp between Soko and Azekah at Ephesdamon. Saul and the Israelites came together, camped at Oak Valley, and spread out their troops in battle readiness for the Philistines. The Philistines were on one hill, the Israelites on the opposing hill, with the valley between them. A giant nearly ten feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open, Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. Goliath stood there and called out to the Israelite army, why bother using your whole army? Am I not Philistine enough for you? And you're all committed to Saul, aren't you? So pick your best fighter and pit him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. But if I get the upper hand and kill him, you'll all become our slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel this day. Give me a man. Let us fight it out together. When Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Enter David. He was the son of Jesse, the Ephrathite, from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse, the father of eight sons, was himself too old to join Saul's army. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The names of the three sons who had joined up with Saul were Eliab, the firstborn, next Abinadab, and third Shammah. David was the youngest son. While his three oldest brothers went to war with David, with Saul, David went back and forth from attending to Saul to tending his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Each morning and evening for forty days, Goliath took his stand and made his speech. One day, Jesse told David his son, Take this sack of cracked wheat and these ten loaves of bread and run them down to your brothers in the camp, and take these ten wedges of cheese to the captain of their division. Check in on your brothers to see whether they are getting along all right. Let me know how they're doing, Saul and your brothers, and all the Israelites in their war with the Philistines in the Oak Valley. David was up at the crack of dawn, and having arranged for someone to tend his flock, took the food and was on his way, just as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the army was moving into battle formation, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines moved into position, facing each other, battle ready. David left his bundles of food in the care of a sentry, ran to the troops who were deployed, and greeted his brothers. While they were talking together, the Philistine champion, Goliath of Gath, stepped out from the front lines of the Philistines and gave his usual challenge. David heard him. The Israelites, to a man, fell back the moment they saw the giant, totally frightened. The talk among the troops was, Have you ever seen anything like this? This man openly and defiantly challenging Israel? The man who kills the giant will have it made. The king, the king will give him a huge reward, offer his daughter as a bride, and give his entire family a free ride. David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, What's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is, anyway, this uncircumcised Philistine, taunting the armies of God alive? They told him what everyone was saying about what the king would do for the man who killed the Philistine. Eliab, his older brother, heard David fraternizing with the men and lost his temper. What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business, tending that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You've come down here to see the sights, hoping for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. 
What is it with you? replied David. All I did was ask a question. Ignoring his brother, he turned to someone else, asked the same question, and got the same answer as before. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul. Saul sent for him. Master, said David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced, and he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd, tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, Go. And God help you. Then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the book, brook and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack. And with his sling in his hand, approached Goliath. As the Philistine paced back and forth, his shield-bearer in front of him, he noticed David. He took one look down on him and sneered, a mere youngster, apple-cheeked and peach-fuzzed. The Philistine really ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine. I'll make roadkill of you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. David answered, You come at me with sword and spear and battle axe. I come at you in the name of God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day God is handing you over to me. I am about to kill you. Cut off your head and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and the coyotes. The whole earth will know that there is an extraordinary God in Israel, and everyone gathered here will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear. The battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. That roused the Philistine, and he started toward David. David took off from the front line, running toward the Philistine. David reached into his pocket for a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. The Philistine crashed face down in the dirt. That's how David beat the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him. No sword for David. Then David ran up to the Philistine and stood over him, pulled the giant sword from its sheath, and finished the job by cutting off his head. When the Philistines saw that their great champion was dead, they scattered, running for their lives. The men of Israel and Judah were up on their feet, shouting. They chased the Philistines all the way to the outskirts of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Wounded Philistines were strewn along the Sherem road all the way to Gath and Ekron. After chasing the Philistines, the Israelites came back and looted their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, but the giant's weapons he placed in his own tent. When Saul saw David go out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Tell me about this young man's family. Abner said, For the life of me, O king, I don't know. The king said, Well, find out the lineage of this raw youth. As soon as David came back from killing the Philistine, Abner brought him, the Philistine's head still in his hand, straight to Saul. 
Saul asked him, Young man, whose son are you? I'm the son of your servant Jesse, said David, the one who lives in Bethlehem. 1 Samuel chapter 18 By the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. Saul received David into his own household that day, no more to return to the home of his father. Jonathan, out of his deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalized it with solemn gifts, his own royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. Whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it, and did it well. So well that Saul put him in charge of his military operations. Everybody, both the people in general and Saul's servants, approved of and admired David's leadership. As they returned home after David had killed the Philistine, the women poured out of all the villages of Israel singing and dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs, and lutes. In playful frolic, the women sang, Saul kills by the thousand, David by the ten thousand. This made Saul angry, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. That, from that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. The next day, an ugly mood was sent by God to afflict Saul, who became quite beside himself, raving. David played his harp as he usually did at such times. Saul had a spear in his hand. Suddenly, Saul threw the spear, thinking, I'll nail David to the wall. David ducked, and the spear missed. This happened twice. Now Saul feared David. It was clear that God was with David and had left Saul. So Saul got David out of his sight by making him an officer in the army. David was in combat frequently. Everything David did turned out well. Yes, God was with him. As Saul saw David becoming more successful, he himself grew more fearful. He could see the handwriting on the wall. But everyone else in Israel and Judah loved David. They loved watching him in action. One day Saul said to David, Here is Merab, my eldest daughter. I want to give her to you as your wife. Be brave and bold for my sake. Fight God's battles. But all the time Saul was thinking, The Philistines will kill him for me. I won't have to lift a hand against him. David, embarrassed, answered, Do you really mean that? I'm from a family of nobodies. I can't be son-in-law to the king. The wedding day was set. But as the time neared for Merab and David to be married, Saul reneged and married his daughter off to Adriel, the Mahalathite. Meanwhile, Saul's daughter Michal was in love with David. When Saul was told of this, he rubbed his hands in anticipation. Ah, a second chance. I'll use Michal as bait to get David out where the Philistines will make short work of him. So again he said to David, You're going to be my son-in-law. Saul ordered his servants, get David off by himself and tell him, the king is very taken with you and everyone at court loves you. Go ahead, become the king's son-in-law. The king's servants told all this to David, but David held back. What are you thinking of? I can't do that. I'm a nobody. I have nothing to offer. When the servants reported David's response to Saul, he told them to tell David this, the king isn't expecting any money from you, only this. Go kill a hundred Philistines and bring evidence of your vengeance on the king's behalf. Avenge the king on his enemies. Saul expected David to be killed in action. On receiving this message, David was pleased. There was something he could do for the king that would qualify him to be his son-in-law. 
He lost no time, went, but went right out, he and his men, killed the hundred Philistines and brought their evidence back in a sack and counted it out before the king. Mission completed. Saul gave Michal, his daughter, to David in marriage. As Saul more and more realized that God was with David and how much his own daughter, Michal, loved him, his fear of David increased and settled into hate. Saul hated David. Whenever the Philistine warlords came out to battle, David was there to meet them and beat them, upstaging Saul's men. David's name was on everyone's lips. Proverbs chapters 27, verses 1 to 14. Don't brashly announce what you're going to do tomorrow. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. Don't call attention to yourself. Let others do that for you. Carrying a log across your shoulders while you're hefting a boulder with your arms is nothing compared to the burden of putting up with a fool. We're blasted by anger and swamped by rage, but who can survive jealousy? A spoken reprimand is better than approval that's never expressed. The wounds from a lover are worth it. Kisses from an enemy do you in. When you've stuffed yourself, you refuse dessert. When you're starved, you could eat a horse. People who won't settle down, wandering hither and yon, are like restless birds flitting to and fro. Just as lotions and fragrance give sensual delight, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Don't leave your friends or your parents' friends and run home to your family when things get rough. Better a, a nearby friend than a distant family. Become wise, dear child, and make me happy. Then nothing the world throws my way will upset me. A prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. A simpleton walks in blindly as, and is clobbered. Hold tight to collateral on any loan to a stranger. Be wary of accepting what a transient has pawned. If you wake your friend in the early morning by shouting, Rise and shine! It will sound to him more like a curse than a blessing. Every child who ever attended Sunday school has heard the story of David and Goliath. The story of a shepherd boy who, while delivering lunch to his brothers in the army, ended up killing the giant warrior who was threatening the Israelite army. None of the battle-hardened soldiers in the Israelite army had the nerve or the confidence to face this monster of a man in one-on-one -on -one battle, to put an end to this stalemate between the two armies. As young David was on his way to delivering sandwiches to his brothers, I'm sure the last thing on his mind was entering into hand-to-hand -hand combat with a nine-foot ogre of a man. When David arrived on the front lines and heard the insults that Goliath was yelling at God's chosen people, he didn't care how big this man was. He didn't care how experienced he was in battle. All David could see was that this uncircumcised Philistine was defying the armies of Almighty God. This just won't do. David knew that this man needed to be stopped. He knew his God would use him to do it. There was no doubt in his mind. Israel was facing a giant. They didn't have the faith to face it. So God provided a shepherd boy with a slingshot and a few smooth stones. He wasn't a soldier. He wasn't a mighty warrior. He was just a bread delivery boy with faith. 
We all face giants in our lives, giants that sometimes make us tremble in fear and doubt our own ability to face them. God sees our giants, and He can and will deal with them if we let Him. The next time one of these giants rears its ugly head in your life, allow Almighty God to send a shepherd boy to deal with it. There are no giants that faith in Jesus can't overcome. Thank you for joining me today on Bible in a Year with Bill. See you tomorrow. Take care now.